turn your Bibles this morning to the book of Matthew. We'll be in Matthew chapter number 28 once again. And once you find Matthew 28, uh, I want you to mark your spot there, then turn to Isaiah chapter number 57, if you would. Uh, we'll be in both passages of Scripture this morning, Matthew chapter 28, uh, and then Isaiah chapter number 57. Of course, uh, for some time now, we've been in a series on the Great Commission. Uh, it is our goal this year to double our church attendance this year, and uh, uh, certainly we're thankful for those uh, the Lord has added to the church, and thankful for those who've been here for a long, long time as well, and uh, thankful for uh, what the Lord is doing, and uh, uh, we're heading in the right direction on that. We've asked the Lord for a double portion this year, and uh, we've been in some time on the Great Commission and the Great Commission still works. And uh, I believe this is message number 15 uh, this morning on the subject of the Great Commission. And uh, I want to read Matthew chapter number 28, verse 19 and 20. By now, uh, you're familiar with this uh, passage of Scripture. And then we'll turn over to Isaiah chapter number 57, uh, right after we read Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. As, you, as we know by now that this is the Great Commission, Christ has assembled His church together. He will soon ascend back to heaven to take His place at the right hand of the Father. And uh, He's still at the right hand of the Father until the day uh, comes when he calls us home, uh, but his commission to the church to go and to, it's a threefold commission, to win the loss, uh, to baptize them, and that baptism uh, has nothing to do with the first one, but it is a declaration of what took place on our salvation. It's a public identification with our Savior, a public identification with his church, and then to uh, disciple them, teach them to observe all things, because the goal for every child of God, is to be able to give the gospel uh, to someone who needs it, and that process is repeated over and over again uh, so that the world might be reached. That is his commission. This morning, I want, with that in mind, I want you to hold your place there because we'll come back to it at the end of the message. But Isaiah chapter number 57, Isaiah chapter number 57, we'll read one verse of scripture in this chapter, and I'll ask you to keep your Bible open to Isaiah 57 throughout the message because we will refer to it once again uh, in the message. But Isaiah chapter 57, look with me at verse number 15. <clears throat> For thus saith the high and lofty one, that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Notice the first part of verse 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. This morning I'm going to preach on the subject of the eternity of the Great Commission. The eternity of the Great Commission. Father, I pray that you would help us this morning. Already our hearts have been blessed by the warm fellowship amongst God's people. Our hearts have been blessed by uh, the music, singing the hymns unto you. Father, our hearts have been blessed by the, the choir, the other music that we've heard this morning. But Father, we come to your word, your everlasting, your powerful, uh, eternal word. And Father, may we let your word speak to us today. And Father, I pray that as 
the message is preached this morning, the Spirit of God would work in our hearts. If there's one here this morning in the service or perhaps watching by live stream, listening by radio this morning, that does not know the Lord is their personal Savior, has never settled their eternity, I pray that the Spirit of God would prick their hearts. May the Spirit of God put them under conviction. They may realize their need of a Savior. May they call on the name of Jesus today. For your church today, for the redeemed, may we be reminded of the necessity, the command of the Great Commission. May we consider eternity, what eternity entails. And Father, may we be challenged by the message today. May Christ be honored. May your will be done. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we look at the Great Commission in light of eternity, eternity is a word that I think all of us could give some kind of a simple definition. I think the first thing that might come to our mind is, well, it's forever. We'll explain forever. Well, you know, it's forever. I think all of us, without having a definition, if you will, could give a explanation of what eternity is. But let's put a Dictionary definition on eternity this morning, it simply means duration or continuance without beginning or end. Our text in Isaiah 57 tells us of the high and lofty one, we know that to be God, that inhabiteth eternity. He never had a beginning, he'll never have an end. He is eternity. As we put it in context of the Great Commission and how that relates to us, I'm thankful that I have a God that doesn't have a birth date. I'm thankful that I have a God that does not have a death date. He is an eternal God. How that relates to you and I will attempt to do that in light of the Great Commission this morning. As we think of eternity, duration or continuance without beginning or end, and often we will say, as I just prayed, have you considered eternity? There's a question that if we separate ourselves as the world has separated themselves from God's word, they may ask the question, well, what is going to happen after I die? What is the afterlife? The word for that is eternity. There'll be no ending to eternity. We understand that. But as we think of eternity, the Great Commission this morning, there's some things I want us to think of before we get into the crux of the message today. While eternity is defined by having no time, our natural life is defined by time. Eternity, there's no time. There's no beginning of eternity. There's no ending of eternity. God has always been. Eternity, we will live in eternity. But our natural life is defined by time. When considering eternity, one might say we will have all the time. However, in our life, we are limited by time. As you and I know, our life is governed by clocks and calendars. A clock reminds us that a day is measured by a certain amount of time. I know some of you right now are hoping that I keep in mind the clock that hangs on the wall in the back. But our life is measured, it's governed by clocks and calendars. A clock reminds us that a day is measured by a certain amount of time. How often do we check our watch or do we check a clock to see what time it is or how much time until the day ends? A calendar reminds us that our days are numbered. When the clock strikes midnight tonight, this day will be past 
we can never live it again. It's one more day that we've lived, which means one more day behind us that we will never get back. And in our minds, we know that there are only so many days. And that reminds me that we have a certain amount of time allotted to us in this life. In contrast, in eternity, there is no time. There is no clock to tell you how much time is left in a day. Think about that. I'm never going to get all this done because I'm running out of time. That's never said in eternity. Well, we only have so much, so many days left. That's never said in eternity. There is no clock to tell you how much time is left in a day. There is no calendar marking time left in a year. No one is late. Some of you are like, man, I can't wait to get to heaven. No one is late. No one is early. No one is on time. Because eternity does not measure or recognize time. As we consider the Great Commission, we must consider the eternity of the Great Commission. How we approach the Great Commission determines how many will spend eternity. Think about that. We know that eternity, there is no end. We know we're measured by time down here. Eternity, there is no clock. There is no calendar. There is no next day. There is no next year. It's eternity. It, is, it extends forever. It does not have... It's continuous with no end. But how the church... How Christians today approach the Great Commission determines how many will spend their eternity. With that in mind, we must consider several facts considering eternity in light of the Great Commission. We get busy in our everyday life and sometimes we don't we put off what we know we should do today because it's going to affect tomorrow. Oftentimes we may ignore, get so busy, and the calendar creeps up on us. It's like, it's that time of year already? You know, I think of perhaps you made a lot of New Year's resolutions. Well, I'll not remind you, it's almost June. How we doing? It's like, oh, I thought I had a lot of time to get these things done. Now the year is almost half over. And often we look at things in our Christian life and we know there's an eternity and we get so busy and perhaps we would say, well, I'll get to that at some point. And before we know it, the days go by. Not understanding and bearing the weight and responsibility that how the church approaches the day will affect how many will spend their eternity. As we think of the eternity of the Great Commission, let me give you several things to consider this morning. Number one, we will spend eternity in one of two places. This applies to everyone. There is no exception to what I just said. Everyone who has ever lived, everyone who is living today... Everyone who will ever live will spend their eternity in one of two places. Now, there's a lot of places that people can spend their days on this planet. 
There are 50 states in the United States of America. I happen to think we live in a good one. Below the Mason-Dixon line. I happen to think that, anyway. But not everybody. I mean, there's 50 states that you can choose to, to, to live in. There's countries that you can go to. There's a lot of different places. You go inside our city, if you've been paying attention, it's growing. There's new homes and new roads and, and new communities. And, and if you're not paying attention, uh, you'll go somewhere you haven't been in a few days. You're like, where did all this come from? There's a lot of places that you can, you can come and go and you can live. And just even in, on your own street, there's different addresses. But when it comes to the part of life where time is not measured... There's only two places that people will spend eternity. One of those we are reminded of in Luke 16, 23, when the rich man dies. Verse 23 says, And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Hell is one place that people will spend eternity. I know we live in a day where society doesn't like to think about this and even God's people don't like to consider this, but the fact of the matter is that eternity will be spent by everyone in one or two places and one of them is hell. Friend, hell is a real place. And there are, real, there are people who are there. The rich man is still in hell. He is still in torments. It is a place where he will be for all of eternity. We go back to that definition of eternity. Well, somebody define eternity. It's forever, okay? Well, the dictionary definition is duration or continuance without beginning or end. There will never be an end. I know our finite mind has a hard time really uh, get grasping a hold of this, but it will never end. If I can say it like this, it is on a loop. That the day of torment is, is over and over and over again. And, and there's no end to the suffering. There's no end to the separation from God. There's no end to all of the horrible things of hell. That is a real place that people will spend, not their measured time, but eternity. The second place we find mention of in Luke 23, 43 as Jesus is on Calvary and the thief hanging on the cross next to him. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And when that thief on that cross who had put his faith in the Son of God who hung next to him, when he closed his eyes in death and he lifted up his eyes, he was not in torments, he was in paradise. The fact of the matter is, there's only two places one will ever spend eternity. Eternity with no ending will be spent in either heaven or hell. What a thought for the born-again believer. No ending for paradise. 
It's never going to come to an end. We probably all of us know somebody who's in heaven. They're in eternity. There's never going to be an end to, to their joy. There's never going to be an end to their pleasure. There's never going to be an end to that, that perfect place that they are. Boy, I think of, I'm reminded several years ago, my wife and I were able to go to Hawaii. As I'm thinking of that, I think it's been too long since we've been to Hawaii. And oh, maybe you've been on a trip like this. It, it, that, that place is, if you've been there, you understand, that, understand this. Oh, it is, it is a place of paradise. I can recall when we got back, we, the, the plane landed, and, and uh, this was many years ago when you get off, and, and oh, that tropical air just feels different. And everywhere you go, it's just beautiful. It's paradise. I can recall how excited I was as we got there. We landed. It's like, and we've got like seven whole days left. We're just getting here. Oh, we had a great, after about day four, though, it's like, we got to go back home. <laughs> day five, we've only got two days left. Day six, it's hard to enjoy day six because you're thinking tomorrow is the last day we got. Then day seven, do we really have to go home? Oh, you'd think we're in paradise, that it would just be, but now we've got to go back. It came to an end. But could you imagine, can we imagine spending eternity in a place where Jesus called it paradise? There'll be no alert on your phone telling you it's time to check into your flight you having to leave. There'll be no calendar to tell you how many days you've been there. There'll be no calendar to tell you how many days you got left because that, that calendar would just keep going and going and going and going. What a thought for the born-again believer. Friend, if you're saved this morning, you put your faith and trust in Christ, this is as bad as it's ever going to be. The day is coming. We'll spend eternity with our Lord in paradise. But what a thought of dread. For the unbeliever. No ending of torments. We will spend eternity in one of two places. I've encountered people in my life say, Well, I just don't believe that it. it doesn't change the fact. Well, I don't want to think about it. You will one day. I just I just don't want to do anything about it. I'll do something about that later. You may not have the later. So number one, as we think of the eternity of the Great Commission, number one, we'll spend eternity in one or two places. Number two, where we spend eternity is determined by whether we have a contrite and humble spirit. Where we spend eternity will determine on whether we have a contrite and humble spirit. Look at our text again, Isaiah 57, verse 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in a high and holy place. Man, I want to go where God is, don't you? I want to be where He is. I know one place He's not. He's not in that place called hell. That's the place prepared for the devil and his angels and all those who reject Christ. He says, I will dwell in a high and holy place with Him also. Okay, that should get our attention. He's in eternity. The scripture is telling us he is going to spend eternity 
with him also. There's others that's going to be with him in eternity. Who's going to be with God in eternity? Also, that is of a contrite and humble spirit. Let me give you a definition of contrite. It's literally worn or bruised. Hence, brokenhearted for sin. Deeply affected with grief and sorrow for having offended God. Humble, penitent as a contrite sinner. Friend, there's a fact that you and I cannot get away from. Man is a sinner. For all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. There are, everybody's a sinner, but there's just two kinds of sinners that walk this planet. There are those who are proud in their sin. And then there are those who have a contrite heart. Those who are deeply affected with grief and sorrow because they know their sin has offended God. They're broken hearted for the offense to God. They are saddened and the Spirit of God puts them under conviction and they know that they have wronged God and they're a sinner and they deserve that place called hell. That word contrite means humble, penitent, come before God. I know I'm a sinner. I know I've offended you. I'm broken hearted about it. Friend, there'll be no proud people standing before the great white throne of judgment. There'll be no proud people who ever enter into paradise. There'll be no proud people say, yeah, I can do whatever I want to do and, and spend that eternity with God. But let me tell you who will be in eternity with Him. Let me tell you who will be in heaven with Him. It'll be those who bowed their heart and said, God, I know I'm a sinner. They know their unworthiness of Christ's sacrifice. They know there's nothing they could do to get themselves reconciled back to God. They know that they are just a, 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 a rotten person because of their sin. They're sorry for it. They're penitent. Not one of these, oh, I'm sorry, let me move on. They're brokenhearted because they've wronged God. Friend, you cannot get saved unless you humble yourself. Realizing that you're a sinner. So we've established by the eternity of the Great Commission that eternity is going to extend forever. You're, you're going to live one of two places in eternity. Every man, every race, every creed, one of two places. The difference in where we will spend that eternity is whether or not we are contrite repentant of our sin. We are told only those who are brokenhearted for their sin and those who humble themselves before God will spend eternity with Him. Those without a contrite heart are rejected for all of eternity. See, religion today will tell you how religious you are determines whether you get to heaven or not. But Matthew 7, 21 through 23 says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name do, done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Jesus said in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There has to come a time and a point in man's life when he realizes he's a sinner. He's brokenhearted over that sin because he's offended God. And he realizes that Christ is the only way for reconciliation. 
See, there's too many today, they hear the story of Jesus died on your sins. They say, well, I believe in God. There's many who believe in God. They'll stand before that throne of judgment one day and he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. Well, I go to church. There's many who will go to church from time to time or even every single week and a day will come when God will say, depart from me, I never knew you. Well, what is the difference? The difference is one humbles themselves realizes they're a sinner, admits they're a sinner, admits that there's no good thing they could do to ever get themselves back to God, but they hear the story of Jesus dying on the cross for their sins, paying their sin debt, and it's faith in Christ and what He did. You can even say, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe Jesus rose from the dead. But if you have not repented, if you have not put your faith in Him because you realize that you are a sinner. It is where we spend eternity is determined by whether we have a contrite and humble spirit. If you're here this morning, you've never thought about your eternity. You've never got it settled. God exists in eternity. But those who are going to abide in eternity with Him only do so by a contrite heart. They humble themselves so I need a Savior. I need forgiveness. I can't be there. See, you, you, can't come, you can't stand before God one day and say, well, I think I deserve to be there. Nobody deserves to be there. Amen. Well, I was religious. Well, I've read Matthew chapter 7. God, Jesus addressed that. We must have a contrite spirit, a humble spirit because... We know that we have offended God. I said, number one, we'll spend eternity in one or two places. Number two, we'll, where we spend eternity, eternity is determined by whether we have a contrite and humble spirit. Number three, I want you to listen. We know this, but I want you to let the weight of it rest on your shoulders this morning. Number three, time will run out on your natural life. Time will run out on your natural life. Our Bible in the book of James tells us that life is but a vapor. It's here, then it's gone. So many times we talk and we, we kind of, I was, I was talking just for a moment with Brother Wolf. Okay, he moved on me. Womack, you got to get back on the other side of the aisle, man. Y'all mess me up when you're, Brother Womack this morning, he's celebrating his birthday. And I asked him how old he was. And I'll not divulge that in front of everybody. But I asked him how old he was. And, and I was commenting, you know, talking about some people say, well, you know, recently, I mean, I, I turned... I turn 50 next year, and so sometimes people say, well, Pastor, you, it's all about how you feel. That's even worse is my response. <laughs> There's, we know this, that it's a vapor. There's a start. In Sunday school this morning, we recognize some birthdays. His. But you know what is true of everybody in this room? Everybody has a birthday. Not today, but everybody has a day where they were born when God gave you life. He gave you life. The day will come, no matter how many days you've lived of your life up to this point, the day will come when time will run out on your natural life. I remind you what I, what I, what I established and reminded us in the introduction of this message. Our natural life is governed by clocks and calendars. 
We judge how long we have lived by clocks and calendars. We know what God has promised in general for a natural life. We think in our mind, well, I've lived this long. How much do I, do I, do I go with? Whether you're in your 90s this morning or in your teens, I remind all of us, nobody's promised tomorrow. Nobody's promised another day. The point is, whether our life expires as a young person or an old person, the fact of the matter is, time will run out on your natural life. Our decisions as a person should be made on this fact. Time will run out on your natural life. And all that matters, when that last second ticks, the last breath is taken, and the life expires on this side of eternity, all that matters is what you've done with eternity. Hebrews 9.27 says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. The judgment comes after the death. This morning, if you're not certain you're on your way to heaven, you have not settled your eternity, I want you to hear me very clearly this morning. You don't know how many days you have. You don't know how much more time you have. This may be the last service you have an opportunity to get your salvation settled. This may be the last opportunity you have time to humble your heart and say, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've offended God. I know Jesus is the answer. It's the last time you may have to choose Jesus, you don't know how long you have, but time will run out on your natural life. That's why today is the day where you ought to choose Christ. Today is the day you ought to choose salvation. Today is the day you ought to choose to put your faith and trust in Christ. Likewise, child of God, your life has an end date. My life has an end date. We don't like thinking about that. But the Christian, we have a different viewpoint because we can consider and anticipate and even look forward to eternity. But time's going to run out. Just as I just challenged a person who might not be saved. And we got many amens, which is perfectly appropriate, with the today's the day for you to get that settled. How long are you going to put off being a witness to your coworker? How long are you going to put off being a witness to that family member? How long, child of God, are you going to put off being a part of the Great Commission? Oh, Pastor, I believe in it. I'm going to be a part of it. But I just need a little bit more time. I'm not, I'm not talking about the seasons of life that sometimes we have to put time in a certain place that we won't have to in the future. I'm not talking about that, but too many times we say, well, I'm going to put off taking that next step of faith, and I'm going to, take, I'm going to put off getting involved in the church. I'm going to, take, I'm going to put off investing in, 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 in eternity. Time will run out on your natural life. Young people understand this, whether you're, you're, you're a teenager this morning or you're a young adult, you have something that many do not have, the opportunity to give yourself to God at a very early age and to give your whole life to Him. Well, I've got my whole life ahead of me. Let me just have my 20s. You don't know how many days you have. 
And even if you have 70 and 80 and 90, why in the world would we want to waste a whole decade when we could be serving God, we could be investing in eternity, we could be making a difference in the life of someone else. Hey, when we get to heaven, there's not going to be an award for having the most likes on Instagram. There's not going to be an award, there's not going to be a crown of social media or of making the most money. All that is going to matter is as our soul has been cared for, and that brings me to number four. How we use our time affects eternity. Time will run out on your natural life. How we use the time we have affects our eternity. Let me break it down like this. We're governed by clocks and calendar. How are we use our days on that calendar is going to affect eternity. I made a statement towards the beginning of the message that how we approach time is going to affect how some live their eternity. As we as a church, that's why church, quite frankly, you know what the focus is. Say, Pastor, why, why are we trying to, to, to double our church? Because we've doubled the city. Why the emphasis on the Great Commission? Because time is short. Well, Pastor, don't we have a lot more time? No, uh, the trumpet is sound tonight, first of all. I don't know how long I have. You don't know how long you have. And all I know is in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19 and 20, Jesus has his church assembled together, and he could have given them the commission to do anything. He could have said, go turn the world upside down with politics. He could have, he could have said, go turn the world upside down in, in, in any different way, but he said, go ye. He gave the commission to the church, and quite frankly, our nation is where it is because there's too many churches not doing what Christ commanded them to do, and a lot of times it's like, well, it just won't be our main priority, or, or we'll get to it. And matter of fact, Christian, I'll just be pretty blunt this morning. Time is too short to be part of a dead church. That's why we must have the Spirit of God. We must keep the focus as it is. We have a limited number of time. I understand this. I thank God for, for, for saving me at a young age. I thank God for calling me to preach at a young age. I'm very grateful that He worked in my life to a place where I would surrender at a young age and follow through on that surrender. I can't even number the, the, many, the, the number of times that I've preach the gospel. I can't, I can't even begin to count how many times I've preached from this book behind a pulpit somewhere on this planet. And Lord willing, I've got a whole lot more to go, but I don't know how many messages I have left. I don't know how many annual themes I have to put out there. I don't know how many times I can say, okay, we've got to go reach our neighbors. We've got to go reach our loved ones. I don't know how many more times we can say, hey, church, this year, let's set a goal to double and go reach people and bring them to church with us and be a part of doing something. I don't know how many more times we can say, hey, let's go buy a property on the continent of Africa and build a building on it so some church people can gather there. I don't know how many times we have left to do that. Likewise, you don't know how many times, choir member, you're going to be singing that choir. You don't know how many more opportunities you're going to sit in that cubicle next to that lost coworker. You don't know how many more times uh, you'll drive down that street and all of those neighbors that live on your street, you don't know how many times you'll have an opportunity to invite them 
to be a part of what God is doing. How we use our time affects eternity. I'm done with the message this morning, but I want to conclude with just two questions. And you'll be happy to know that I'm actually letting you out, not on time, but early. Although I can conclude for a little while. Two questions in the conclusion with the Attorney of the Great Commission in mind. Number one, how will you spend your time? There's some things that occupy our time that might not be bad things. But how are you going to spend your time? Church, there's a lot of things we could do. We could, we could, we, we could be, get involved in social justice. We could get involved in the political movement. We could get involved in a lot of things, but it will not make the impact of the Great Commission. How will you spend your time? Are we involved in the Great Commission? Are we involved? Second question that I think everyone ought to be able to answer truthfully, no matter what the answer is, where will you spend your eternity? Will it be heaven or will it be hell? Your pastor, you left out purgatory. That's because the Bible left that out too. That's because God left that out. Because there's only heaven and there's only hell. Where will you spend eternity? If you can say, thanks be to the grace of God, I'll spend eternity in heaven. That's going to be forever. Continuance. It's never going to end. You think sometimes we would say, well, I'm glad there's clocks and calendars because this old body wouldn't make it. If there wasn't a clock telling me to take a pill or go to bed or get whatever. But in heaven, there's none of that. It's continuance. There's not such a happy thought for somebody who might sit here this morning has never put their faith in the finished work on Calvary, the gospel. I've, I read earlier that there will be many religious who God says, depart from me, I never knew you. Because salvation is only through Christ. And friend, if you don't know you're saved, boy, I urge you, I compel you, and when the service concludes in just a moment, you have an opportunity to put your faith in Christ. Let somebody shoot from the Bible how you can be saved. I would urge you to get that settled. Say, well, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what people will think. Hey, it's that contrite heart. You get to a place where I have broken, I have offended God. I'm broken heart over my sin. You don't care what anybody else thinks. <clears throat> you don't care what anybody else knows. You've just you're sorrowful of your sin and you're humble and you say, God, if you'll take me, if if Christ's sacrifice will is payment for my sins, I'll accept that. I'll put my faith in that. And you just want to get that burden off of you. And many of you can remember that time when you felt that way and when you said yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, the burden was just lifted off of you. You did, 
didn't care what anybody thought. You had to get your soul settled with God. Where will you spend your eternity? Where, how will you spend your time? Truthfully, if we know we're going to spend our eternity in heaven, there's really a lot, should be a lot less deciding how we're going to spend our time. I'm thankful that we as a church have social activities. When I parked this morning, I parked over on the row close to the fellowship tent. As soon as I got out, I could hear the laughing and carrying on inside that tent. The donuts and the bagels, I heard a few belches as well, but that's a whole other point. The activities and the fellowships, God's people needs fellowship. But this world needs Christ. If I had the ear of every church, Bible-believing church on our, in our country, I think I would just say, haven't we put it off long enough? We must fulfill the Great Commission because what we do is going to determine how somebody else will spend eternity. If the gospel is the focus, it's going to affect how somebody else will spend eternity. If we're not faithful to give the gospel, it's going to affect how other people will, will, will spend eternity. Friend, it's not, it's not enough for us to hire missionaries to go across the, the world and preach the gospel when we don't preach it in our own neighborhoods. We don't preach it in our own communities. What are you going to use your time for? Where are you going to spend eternity? The clock is ticking. The service is concluding. That's an ongoing thing. The day eventually will come to a close. And when midnight gets here tonight, all of us are one day closer to eternity. May that be our guiding thought as we decide what we do. Hey, you know if you've been visiting for some time and you're around, this is not going to surprise you when I say this because you know the emphasis of our year. We're trying to double. You know the emphasis on the Great Commission. Win them, baptize them, and get them in the church and growing so they can do the same thing. So it's time to for some to say, let's get involved. Let's take that next step. Pastor, you're, you're, you're putting pressure on me. No, let the calendar put pressure on you. Let the clock put pressure on you. Well, we're going to get more involved, Pastor. We just want to get... Let, let the calendar put pressure on you. Boy, the clock is ticking. Somebody's slipping into eternity. Not, maybe not here, but in our city, there's a lot of people who will take their last breath today. And all that matters at that point so many of us know somebody in heaven, you know what gives grace and comfort? That you know where they're spending eternity. 
Every mother here, the greatest, the greatest thing you can do for your children is know they got to save mama. Children, you want to do something for your mom? Make sure they know that every one of their children are saved on their way to heaven. That's the greatest gift that a child could ever give a mother is the assurance that should death come for one or when death comes for one or the other, that there will be a, return, a reunion in eternity, abiding with the Holy One because of a contrite and humble heart. Father, I pray that you would use your word today. May we...